Hello and welcome to the SEO SES podcast. You are with myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO specialist at LikeMind Media. And with me, I have the beautiful and wonderful Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Gymshark. We call ourselves SEO SAS because we are exactly that, your special answering service when it comes to SEO. We love the topic. We're a bit geeky, so we love discussing, debating, finding out what's trending and just bringing a podcast about it to you, our listeners. This show is brought to you by the team at Like Mind Media. Like My Media help clients find their audience and start having conversations with them, whether that's on social media, content or even podcasts just like this one. We're actually using their podcasting equipment right now. They're super lovely people who take time to understand your business and think like you. Thanks, Hannah. Now, this episode might sound like something's missing. Something, that's wrong to say. Someone, should I say. And unfortunately, Hannah Bryce can't be with me on this episode because sometimes life and work gets in the way. I mean, we'd love just to be able to do this podcast all the time, but you know, you've got to pay the bills, haven't you? But don't worry, you won't just be stuck with me going on and ranting like, because obviously without Hannah, I'll be going off on tangents and God knows what I'll be talking about. But I am pleased to say that I have the wonderful Paul Casey, who is head of digital strategy at 77. And he also hosts his pod- own podcast called the Casey Digital Podcast. So let's welcome to the show, Paul. How, how are we doing? How are we doing, Paul? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Um, pretty big shoes to fill, obviously, with Hannah not being here. But yeah, hopefully we'll do a decent job. We've got this. We've got this. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be. It will run like clockwork. So from your LinkedIn, it says that you're from Manchester. Yeah, based up in, from Manchester originally. Um, 77 is based up in Manchester near Piccadilly. And uh, yeah, Manchester born and bred, really. So uh, awesome. I did spend a bit of time in Leeds. I went to uni in Leeds. But yeah, mainly based in Manchester. Cool. So obviously, Manchester gets the nickname, doesn't it? Rainy City. How much have you been struggling with the flood, the flooding that's been happening? Oh, it's horrific. Yeah, it definitely lives up to its kind of reputation. I think we're just, I think we're just used to it. I think when people come from like, we got clients coming from overseas. So we'll have clients coming from like Paris or, you know, they come from nice places in Germany or America. And they're just like, yeah, it just rains here all the time. I'm like, yeah, it really does. But we're just used to it. So yeah, no, it's, uh, but we love it. Yeah, it's a great place. Is all your wardrobe just waterproofs? Yeah, I, I did recently invest in a, proper big coat a really big coat so yeah no i'm i'm, I'm ready for it and uh, most mancunians have at least one cagoule or you know several waterproof jackets so um, yeah we're ready for it <laughs> just because we have quite a few of our listeners who are american what was that term that you called yourself again mancunian is that what you said yeah mancunian yeah is that sorry? I didn't. I didn't realise that wasn't a common thing. Yeah, a man or a Mancunian is is a is short for someone from Manchester. Oh really? Well, there you go. Already yeah. learning something new when you listen to yeah. this podcast, well, not just SEO. You know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So today I'm just going to pick your brains, really, and yeah. um, ask you a few questions about. So obviously. You are head of digital strategy. So it will sort of be around that and SEO and bits and bobs. So it would just be good to have a good chat with a few questions. So are you happy for me to start with the first one? Fire away. Let's do it. Okay. So starting off, Paul, what's your background in digital marketing and SEO? Well, I've been involved in digital since... Probably around 2007 when I left uni. Um, so I I kind of left uni, did a bit of kind of free work experience, and then I ended up working at Betfred, um, which is a betting agency, betting company based up in the northwest. Okay. Um, and yeah, basically I spent a couple of years there, worked in the in-house team. That was the early stages of a lot of digital marketing in 2007. So that was you know things like creating microsites kind of betting betting and kind of interest-based websites around football and horse racing and things like that. And then I uh, had a couple of meetings with some agencies and I was like, well, they're pretty cool. You know, <laughs> they, the offices were cool. Like it seemed more laid back. Like when I was at Betfred, I used to have to wear like a shirt and tie. Like, oh it was, no, that's unheard of. 
for the SEAs. It's not me. So, um, yeah, it was, although I love the industry and, you know, it's great being involved in like sport and everything else on a day-to-day basis. I definitely saw the agency side and just thought, well, you know, it's quite interesting. So okay. after about three years, I, I ended up moving agency side and, you know, spent a lot in the client account management, relationship management, and then kind of strategy eventually. So did you, yeah, did you miss, been, been it a years. did you miss the sort of like betting sporting working in that industry and going to agency or did you not really, did, was agency yeah, I did, life enough? I did because when I was there, we actually had like pretty cool partnerships. So, you know, we'd, we'd be able to go to the races. Uh, they were official betting partner of Man United at the time. So played football on Old Trafford twice, which was sweet. You know, oh. there, was, there was kind of these additional benefits that you didn't really, you know, you don't really get as much agency side. So, yeah, no, I miss it. Plus watching sport every single day. So it was like golf, football. Um, they had like third division Greek football on and stuff. And because I love football, I was just like, yes, this is brilliant. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like my worst nightmare. But that's only because, <laughs> yes, anywho. I don't um, think you can bet on the roller derby, but uh, yeah. If it, just quickly on the roller derby, because this is me going to go off on a tangent where Hannah would be able to rein me in here. But the, do you know what the team in, in Manchester is called no rainy city so each team from where they are like it's a play on something that the place is known for so for example milton Keynes is the concrete cows we so we're leicester and our team is leicester dolly rockets and that's because of the space center and the dolly is because there's a famous dolly or something that one of the founders liked but anyway let's get back on to, get back on to seo <laughs> well we sidetracked to roller derby already i've got I, so many questions about that but maybe now's not uh, <laughs> cool so how do you introduce the concept of seo to clients who have never heard of it i try and talk to people in the context of kind of long-term brand building um as much as anything you know i, I think a lot of people when they hear seo for the first time or they've heard of it from somebody else or had a bad experience or whatever you do often get quite kind of initial conversations with people quite a negative reaction and mm. um, you know it, essentially you know there's there's a lot of nuances to it, obviously, to make sure that you get success from it. And I don't think a lot of the business owners or the, you know, like the senior people who don't necessarily do the work and understand how the Google algorithm works, mm. understand all the factors around it. I don't think the people who, who are signing off the, the budgets necessarily and some of the people that I talk to actually invest the time in to understand it. Mm. Um, so I just try and really, really simplify things and just say, look, it's about the quality and the quantity of traffic to your website. Every business who's online needs it. You know, long-term brand building, those kinds of quite high-level terms. It's good if you're talking to somebody in-house who actually you know, from a client perspective, actually gets it, you know, understands the basics of maybe something like website development. And you can yeah. try and convey, you know, you need to make sure that you've got good indexation, that you build up your authority over time, that you map into the right keywords, etc. But I think when, when you get those C-level people, I don't even like to go too complicated, to be honest with you. I just like to say, look, you can get a lot more traffic for most of our clients, it's about 50% of the traffic. So, you know, what you need to do is, is improve that over time and, you know, you'll eventually get more sales or more yeah. inquiries and, and eventually grow the business. And I think that's the key there is to make it simple because obviously the more traffic, sales is always a numbers game. So if, if you are improving the traffic and the quality of the traffic, it's just a no-brainer that that's going to, hopefully, if the pages are converting well and there's good user experience, then you're going to get more conversions, aren't you? So I think talking in their language helps there, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's kind of what I've developed over time. You know what you're saying? Um, that My role is kind of head of digital strategy, but I yeah. do a quite, a, quite a number of different things. But I think one of the things that I do mainly is translate what a technical person, whether it's a UX designer, a developer, SEO or PPC or whatever, translate that into something that, that somebody who isn't from the industry can understand. And I think that's a lot of where, you know, where I've been spending a lot of my time in the last couple of years and okay. just trying to get people to, to get it. First and foremost, I think we need to break down the barriers. And I think that's why I love this podcast, because although you do go quite detailed, I think it's important that we do break down the barriers and that we do show people that, you know, it is it is a great channel it's a great tactic for people to do so and um, yeah simplicity is really important for me so once you have introduced the concept and they understand or they understand as much as they need to how do you then get buy-in from your clients to spend time and money that side of things is 
I think that do you mean investing specifically into SEO? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once you've like, so once they know about it and you're like, right, okay, so to be good at this, we need time and we need money. How do you get buy-in? So how do you convince them? Well, I always, I think with anything, especially from an agency perspective, because some, we have some clients where we work with them and they do st- some stuff in-house and we do some stuff as well. I always try and break things down into, into you know, have you got the time or have you got the expertise? If you've not got the time, you've, or you've not got the time or the expertise to actually fulfill a full campaign and it doesn't matter if that's social media or you know ppc or seo if you've not got the time or expertise to actually make that a success you need to work with somebody who can help you in those two areas so i think that a lot of people i do try and say to them you've got no choice Mm. and you know there there isn't unless you're a, a huge brand and we work with some massive brands who don't need to do seo in their eyes but i kind of i kind of try and break it down and and say you know, you've literally got no choice. Otherwise, what might happen over time, you know, if you've got duplicated content or if these, you know, the algorithm updates that are coming up or voice search in the future, you know, you, you need to not only be ready for what's coming, what is here now, uh, you know, the recent updates, which have been a few recently, and then, you know, you've got to also kind of plan for the future. So I kind of position it that every single business who is online needs to do this practice. And hmm. um, It's a bit, I don't want to scare people, you know, because there are some people in the industry that literally like scaremongering. Yeah, I don't really like that. I kind of say to them, look, it's it's a it's a business choice. And Mm. and as far as I'm concerned, you know, if you've got a website that's an e-commerce business, for example, the lifeblood of that business is, is your traffic. So you do have to keep working on that over time. I think it's about being positive and talking about the opportunities and saying, um, so (laughs) don't know if you're a Strictly fan, but uh, when Darcy Bustle was on, there was all, she always, always did the Darcy Bustle shit sandwich, right? And I think you can <laughs> apply that to SEO and talking to clients. So you start off by saying, this is really great about your website. However, this could be better because you're wasting opportunity, rah, rah, rah. And then you, yeah, um, and then you end on a positive. So the Darcy Bustle shit sandwich seems to work for me. <laughs> I so. think that's I think that's a really good piece of recommendation. The um obviously the 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 trying to keep it positive thing is actually a critical thing because I think you're right. A lot of people in the industry do make it a bit like doom and gloom, like mm. the world's going to end and you know you're going to get delisted and this that and the other. You're going to get penalised. Yeah, <laughs> they are extreme examples, but yeah, the Darcy Bustle shit sandwich is. Um, yeah, top of the menu. Well, you can you can take it. You can take it on board. I'll allow Thank you to you. have that one. Taking a note right now. <laughs> so how? So obviously, there's times when clients want to do SEO themselves because maybe they've listened to this podcast or they've read a few things and they feel like they can do it. So how do you deal with that? Again, I think you know it's. The expertise angle is is quite important here because, you know, you do work with different people and different organizations and uh, we work a lot with e-commerce businesses and they might have like a tech lead in-house and that tech lead in-house is is like a Magento 2, ex-Magento 2 developer or somebody who's got kind of a strong grasp of technical knowledge. Or on the flip side to that, you might get someone who works on the social media side and is maybe a good writer, good at blog writing, etc. And people can, I think people can turn their hand to it. I think the biggest problem with that sometimes in-house, because the business will look at it and go, look, it's a cost save and we'll get Dave from IT to do it or whatever. Mm. I think the biggest issue with that that I've experienced over time is that when brands do that, they really lack this overarching strategy and understanding around, you know, the key principles of the overarching strategy with SEO. Because you might be able to go in, you know, it's not hard to go in and, and add in, you know, a meta title tag and a H1, for example. Hmm. But understanding what that particular strategy is in line with the rest of the site, the link building strategy and everything else, I hmm. think it's good to work with people in house. We, we actually encourage it and we do actually like that, but there is a massive caveat. It depends what you're good at. You know, if if you have a skill set in house where your devs, you know, your content, your outreach, you know, sometimes it is good to do some of those things in house. Hmm. I think the overarching SEO strategy though, 
is something that needs to be left to somebody who's an expert. For example, you wouldn't want, I wouldn't be creatively directing a photo shoot or a video, you know, a video shoot or something like that. So I wouldn't expect a creative director or a dev director or someone like that to kind of oversee mm. a digital marketing strategy. So I yeah. think it's just knowing what, what your limitations are and, and working with the in-house team to make sure that they have the right kind of long-term plan. Yeah, and I think that's really key, what you said. Like, I think because there's so much content and you can learn so much, like, and you read a blog and then you think, oh, I can do SEO, even if you haven't got any experience or you've not done it in the past. So whilst that's good in a way, because you've got someone positive thinking about the industry wanting to do stuff, like, they could do something wrong as it were but they don't realize and yeah so I suppose it's managing that isn't it so moving on then what do you do in a situation where a client loves their website they love how it looks look love how it feels they've got good feedback they want to optimize using content and links but it isn't technically sound for SEO how do you deal with that scenario I think this is this is actually something that does pop up quite often. You know, you, you get people who believe that, you know, that the site's great. They've probably invested a lot of money into yeah. it. You know, I, yeah. think, I think a lot of times people look at a website as a real cost to the business rather than an investment. And when you look at how that site needs to align to an overarching strategy, I think that's the bit where I kind of come in and, and try and have a conversation with people. I mainly break things down into technical facts because I don't think you can argue with, you know, the, the site speed graph getting worse and worse over time. You know, it, oh, but our, you know, our imagery is beautiful on the <laughs> site. Great. But your website speed is like 15 seconds per, you know, your conversion rate is going to be affected. So you've got to, I think I always like to break things down into facts, whether it's site speed, on-page errors, warnings, um, link profiles, you know, content strategy, the, the lack of content strategy, maybe mm. um, show it in maybe something like a graph form or, or a diagram, something like that, that, that is almost easily digestible to anybody that can see, oh, that line graph is getting better or it's getting worse, you know, whatever that might be. I think breaking down, you know, traffic and key metrics, KPIs that we look at, you know, whether it's revenue coming from a specific channel or land, a series of landing pages, um, I think the tech audits, you know, almost having a C-level version of your tech audit always helps because if a site does look good, you can always say, well, actually, from a UX perspective, this is working really well. Yeah. But it's almost like the engine and the performance underneath it actually needs a bit of tuning and a bit of tweaking. So yeah. um, I think it's just breaking those things down and, and also saying why you need to do those things. You know, I think that's really important to educate people as to why you need to gear up your kind of technical performance. Cool. Very much agree on that. So have you ever in a difficult situation where a client has just got a new website and they've spent their money on it, but it's not well optimized? How would you go about telling them? Because obviously that's a bit of an awkward, awkward conversation, isn't it? It is awkward. Yeah. Um, I think I think a lot of the the, fu the funny thing in our industry is that you've got a lot of people who are building websites that don't understand SEO and maybe some people in SEO who don't necessarily understand how website processes work. Yes. So you kind of, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Kind you of, hit the nail on the head there. Really, there's a real disconnect, I think, in the industry just in general in, in that, you know, what as a business owner, you probably sat there going, yeah, but I've just invested 20 grand, 100 grand, whatever it might be. I just invested into this new website. Surely it's optimized for, you know, for SEO. And I think when you, when you do pick up things like if you're working with Shopify or WordPress or Magento or something like that, a lot of those platforms do say what's well, SEO ready or SEO optimized or, you know, you can do all of these things. I think um, breaking down again, just, just in terms of the chunks of, of work that need to be done with that, whether that's technical audits or, you know, content strategies, sometimes websites, I think particularly if you're working on something like Shopify or some of these off the shelf templates, technically they're actually quite sound. They're quite quick. They're on a good server. You know, generally speaking, it's actually more about the mapping of it, the content strategy, and then maybe developing some like PR links and stuff like that. So I think when we're speaking to people, again, I always say to the team that, that I work with, if you're delivering difficult news, you need to start with facts first and hmm. um, almost go, well, this isn't an opinion because someone can say, well, I really like this product detail page. And we might say, well, Google really doesn't because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, the, the kind of the residual benefits of it will be that your Google shopping campaigns will improve or, you know, whatever that might be. So 
I think looking at those challenging conversations, it's something that I do have on a regular basis. Obviously, we build sites as well as optimize them as well. So sometimes we'll build a site and then they don't like say, right, okay, we're going to do the SEO in-house or whatever. And we kind of kick ourselves. We're just kind of like, this is frustrating. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, um, the, I think the main thing is to, to kind of deliver the news in person. Don't do it on a call. You've got to kind of have a, a nice kind of tidy presentation deck to say, look, here, here are the facts, here's the information. This is, here's the resolutions. And also, like you said before, you know, going back to a good old Darcy, <laughs> not necessarily making it all, here's what's wrong, here's what's wrong. Because mm. like I said, there are always, especially with the way that website development is now, unless someone's building a bespoke platform, a lot of the platforms out there are pretty good. Like Magento 2 is much quicker than Magento 1. And, and like yeah. I said, Shopify, WordPress and stuff, they do have like Yoast and other plugins that are quite good to get things going. But I would say that always talk about it in person. Make sure that you've got kind of clear and concise presentation points about positives and, and areas for improvement. I don't like to say the word negative. That's just a weird thing that I've got in the team. I'm like, don't yeah, say that good. word. That's a challenge good. or it's a you know it's something else it's just don't be don't use negative negative terminal. or well, i suppose you could use opportunity or you, you could go. use yeah there's lo- loads of different ways and that's the greatest thing about the english language is that we've got loads of words <laughs> that we can use so so yes so when you start putting together an seo strategy where do you start I think we start at the very kind of basic level is, you know, what are we looking to achieve? What are the objectives that we're working towards? Um, It's often the case that we don't just work on SEO with clients. We'll do um, PPC, paid social and and kind of content marketing as well. So we we kind of try and lay out objectives for each one of the individual channels, which would then build up to the overall sum of the parts. We do audits. So after you figure out what the objectives are that you need to do, we do kind of, we've got like an 80 point checklist, which we describe to our clients like a bit of an MOT fee for your website where, where you kind of go through all of the technical factors that, that might be affecting things so then we you know once we know what the objectives are we then know where we stand in terms of the factual kind of data mm. then we create actions for tech and on page start developing a content strategy and an outreach strategy based on kind of the content strategy informs the outreach strategy and how we work so a lot of the a lot of the strategic elements that we do are, are kind of a lot of doing checkpoints with the client checking in and saying look this is this is you know the the next stage of actions or, or the roadmap that we'd like to create and then kind of lay everything out um, in, a, in a bit of a program um, our programs with our clients generally work in three month cycles because you know there's been a lot of algorithm updates recently and, mm. and there's a lot of things that change in the market cost per click you know when it comes to advertising and, and even you know content creation and, and even with Bert and other things going on we don't like to think we do we do kind of project longer than that but I think I like to keep the client and the team focused within three months we know what we're working towards long term based on the objectives but I think it's best to set kind of three month cycles within retainers and, and talking mm. to people because a lot can change in three months in our space as you know and oh gosh. so yes I like to just keep everything quite narrow and say right okay what are we looking to achieve and almost almost like approach it as a bit of a sprint you know in like dev oh, methodology right. yeah 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 so, so we say right okay well it's a three-month sprint this is what we're going to achieve during that period of time okay. and then we basically fill up the backlog and and get the guys get working through it so I'm guessing then that you sort of, when you're deciding what you're going to achieve in three months, you'll sort of have like the quicker wins and then the longer term goals as well. Because obviously one thing with SEO is you can't guarantee anything and you can't, yeah, you can't promise stuff. But you, there are quick wins, can't you? So say, I don't know, there's a f- quick fix that you can do with a website to speed up how fast it loads or doing something with the images or like better, optimi- do you know what I mean? Do, I suppose it's about sort of picking what what can be quick what are quicker and what are more long term that's i think that's where the expertise comes in you know to what we were talking about before to lead an seo strategy you need someone like yourself or or like an seo manager who actually knows what actually if you don't sort out these broken links or if you don't sort out these 404s or or the bad links pointing to your website sort of thing yeah don't disavow this you're actually you know you you, you're probably not going to see any growth or you know we we often spend a lot of time talking to people about their content strategy which they're quite surprised at when we're talking in seo context um we have a lot of clients on shopify but emergento and a lot of the kind of technical platforms quite sound i think we're always striving for a much faster website but like you said it just keeps everything really focused in the first three months 
there isn't necessarily one playbook for every single client because they're all at different stages of their kind of journey. Some people have worked with a previous SEO agency and they've done some good things and some things that we need to change or mm. sometimes it's a website that launches or a relaunch, you know, they, and I suppose if that- it's a there's loads of different things you know that you need to consider so and I suppose there's advantages and disadvantages of both because obviously if you've got a client who has had a website for a while and they've built up some authority and stuff that has its advantages but then it has its disadvantages because if it's been a while if it's been around for a while did it get involved in bad practice back in the day but then if you've got a new website that's starting from scratch you've obviously got a lot of work to do like yes it's all clean but I suppose it's got disadvantages of and advantages of both. So you briefly sort of touched on this, but obviously when putting together an SEO strategy, those people who are more like SEO minded would just focus predominantly on SEO efforts and tasks. Is there anything that you add in that's different that others don't tend to think of? I'd like to think so. <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, we um, I, we service clients mainly in the retail sector so like our client base is like 90 percent retail we do photography and video and brand creative you know we do ux and dev as well as you know like digital marketing is one aspect of what we do as a, as a, as a group you know as a, as a company overall so we actually can bring in skill sets from those other areas which is a real massive benefit i've only ever really worked for digital agencies before i joined 77 or photolink as it was called at the time mm. so We've got the benefit of bringing in like a videographer or, you know, like an art director, UX designer or whatever. We, we can actually bring in different skill sets to then actually complement the overarching SEO strategy. And I think that's one thing that, you know, I didn't really have an appreciation for things like typography or, you know, s- some other things that, that are actually help with like things like content marketing or creating great content, you know, optimizing content, etc. I think what I always like to do is map out a customer journey because we because again it's working across multiple channels not just seo seo is a, is a key channel for us but we need to consider retargeting strategies and um you know how content marketing might work and link building and other things so i do like to map out a very high level customer journey um mm. you know for the different personas that work within a client base so if it was say i know hannah's not here but just say it was jim shark for example yes um those I don't I don't know why I just I just did a little pause for Hannah then like oh I hope no. she's okay uh, <laughs> sure she is anyway yeah so the um the Gymshark customer you're probably going to get your real kind of fitness fanatics and they're going to be maybe engaging with the app mm. engaging with a lot of the content getting a lot of the kind of meal and and um nutrition kind of um content as well as other things so what we do is we draw like a really simple little diagram to how that person then converts and eventually purchases and i think it's really important because it kind of visualizes the customer journey to the client now the seo aspect of that is dropping the user in on the website you know and generating traffic for you know for for critical kind of categories or products but what it does is it actually breaks down that barrier again like we were saying earlier and just really shows people a really simple customer journey which also includes paid social retargeting or google shopping or whatever it might be um, in that entire customer journey so that is one of the things that i actually think is one of the most powerful things that we do that is really simple to do but really effective Hmm, I like that. Simple but effective. Right, you might hate this question because a lot of SEOers do or people who put digital strategies together. But if a client works with you straight away, how long do you tend to find tangible results take? Yeah, that's pretty much the golden question. <laughs> yeah. When am well, I going to get to results. position one? No, yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's like tangible results. So results that mean something to the client. I think the the mix of the mix of channels that we work in, we generally, you know, we do see shorter term results in terms of you know getting traffic through PPC and paid social, you know, Facebook and Instagram ads and YouTube ads and stuff. But I think we we never say that we're going to get results within three months. We set what we describe as soft KPIs in the first three months. Okay. Soft KPIs are things like website errors, you know, site speed, some of the kind of basic things. We never commit to traffic or revenue targets or anything like that or conversion, you know, like inquiry targets or anything like that within the first three months. I think that that is, unless you've got a lot of historic data, I think it's quite dangerous for us to do because it's setting an unrealistic expectation. So, 
Fair um, enough. Normally it's kind of three to six months before you start seeing initial results and then nine to 12 months probably when you really start to see, you know, the, the, the kind of the sales funnel that you create take a lot of traction, which is, that's just how obviously, especially in SEO, that's just how it works. You know, mm. Google is not, Google is not about to kind of let up all of their ad revenue by letting people run an SEO campaign to get straight to the top. You know, it's just, it's just the kind of how you've got to play the game. You have you? got to um, play the game. As much as Google is annoying, you have to play their silly little game sometimes, don't you? <laughs> so when you are measuring stuff with your SEO strategy or digital strategy, what do you look at to know that your strategy is working? Like I said before, a lot of the, the kind of KPIs that we stick yeah. to are the, the kind of main ones when it comes to retail clients, organic revenue, organic traffic, number of errors. I do like to see things like, you know, like pieces of content that we've generated. I like, yeah. I like to set internal KPIs around number of pieces of content created over a period of time. Right, okay. Um, I think that that is not a metric that is like an outward facing metric, but the byproduct of that is that you might rank for a lot of new keywords or, you know, it might give you some additional traction from a, from a PR and link building perspective. Average keyword growth maybe is kind of a, a yeah. tertiary kind of, um, a kind of um, measurement as well. But they're the kind of main areas. I think we, we do try and talk to our clients in terms of, you know, the conversion rate, average order volume, some other things. But again, they're kind of sometimes out of our control. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't really like to get into the whole, you know, well, if, you know, we can help, we can help improve the conversion rate, definitely. But the responsibility of that does sit with the developer of the site now if that's us great I'll, you know we'll take responsibility for that but it can be things like price point or you know the, there are some things where it's kind of out of your control as an agency so i do generally like like us to we do like to forecast and we do like to after we get those first three months under our belt project you know what revenue we think we can generate and what sales and sorry um what transactions we think we can get and traffic. But I think I'd, I always like to keep the measurements within things within your control because yeah. if you if you don't, it kind of, you set an unrealistic expectation. Plus if someone says, oh, well, we'll, we'll rank for an additional 500 keywords. Well, you might, that might just be utter crap keywords, you know. I, I don't, yeah, not valuable I don't keywords. Yeah, I'm more of a quantity over a quality kind of thinker when it comes to metrics. Okay, cool. So we've, touched on this about SEO keeping that well the SEO industry you have to be kept on your toes because it's always changing what with all the algorithm updates or things that go on how do you keep up to date with the latest developments um I learn a lot through our in-house team um cool. they're, they're, they're actually really good at a couple of the guys are obsessed with uh, Google and you know other things like that where it's like Google have done this he's like oh that's really good actually so <laughs> I, like I didn't I didn't hear about the Fitbit thing until you know when Google uh, bought out Fitbit I didn't hear about that until someone told me within the team so I think I, I get a lot of knowledge and a lot of kind of insight from the in-house team like oh this is works this tactics works we're mm. monitoring this or whatever it might be so I do I've always learned from the people around me um, in that respect but I do a lot of I like I'm, I'm, I do listen to this podcast, obviously. That's uh, a you. massive source of uh, knowledge. I can't believe I put you ahead of like Ran Fiskin, which is the next one I'm about to say. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. we love that. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, you you definitely yeah <laughs> up there. But now nah, then, Whiteboard Friday. Um, oh yes, is that is my go-to. Brilliant. You know, I, I absolutely love that, and um, I make people watch it as well. I'm really weird with stuff like this because I think people need to learn, and I think when mm. I find a good source of learning, I share it with like the whole team. And, and even if they don't do SEO, I'm like, I know you're an account manager, but watch this, this Whiteboard Friday about latent but semantic, and it's unbelievable. But the great thing <laughs> with Whiteboard Fridays is they're short. They're like. Yeah. Not even 10 minutes sometimes, but yeah, and I always get a bit sad. So obviously they come out every Friday, so I have it in my, like, I always have that, like, on a Friday with my coffee. Yeah. I like to watch my whiteboard Friday. I generally get a bit upset if I have, like, a client meeting or I have something else where I can't watch my Moz whiteboard Friday because I feel like a bit of FOMO that I'm missing out. And yeah. that happened last Friday, and I think last Friday, Brittany Muller was talking about BERT, you know, the BERT algorithm update or whatever, yeah. machine learning. Yeah, it's, it's a good video she's she's described it very well i think and i think that 
I, I wish I was Britney. To get into it, or, or even if you're like an SEO exec or a junior exec or something like that, and you want to learn more, you yeah. know, I think it's just a brilliant source of, of kind of content. I do, I do kind of pick up on another couple of people in the industry. Um, <clears throat> Neil Patel. Um, yes. I watch. I do. I do watch his videos. He's got a little. He's got a podcast actually, where it's like eight minutes long. It's all, it's a really short, snappy piece of podcast, and he does it with this other guy. I can't remember what it's called. Um. But yeah, Neil Patel, I like his videos, although he's not as natural as Rand Fishkin. He is a bit, I just feel like he needs a glass of water when he's doing his videos. Just watch the a next bit dry one. Mouth. It's a bit like, come on, Neil, just, just, you know, have You're a beverage. You're making me paranoid okay. now. If I got, like, I'm feeling now that I've got a bit of a dry mouth and I need some water. <laughs> oh, I've got like three drinks here. Like, I'm well prepared. Um, well, I... Um, I, I was just going to say, sorry, yeah. last one uh, was Brian Dean, you know, the, the link.io. Yes. Yeah. He, he's great for like content marketing and long form content. So. Cool. Very cool. Lovely. Lovely stuff. Okay. So what is your favorite thing to tell clients about SEO? Anything that tends to shock them or where you see that moment where the penny drops and you're like, hallelujah. <laughs> I think uh, definitely just how how the actual i trying to explain how the algorithm works i think is it is quite mind-blowing sometimes when you think about where it's at now you know the whole ai thing mm-hmm. and how many ranking updates they do a year and i think it was something like 3200 last year or something um, i read recently so there's, there's a lot of things i think it's just explaining the kind of size and scale of how big google is how many people use it you know the the kind of how much money they make as well is ridiculous. Like that, I think that side of things is is actually scary. How much these tech, big tech businesses actually make? Because I think it was something like I'm sure they published in Q1. It was like 30 billion or something in in like a quarter. So yeah, I like to kind of show them the size and scale, and I think that's that's you know as on top of like case studies and stuff. Mm. But I, I do like to say, well, actually, you know as long as the amount of users use Google to the scale that they do. And don't get me wrong, a lot of people use Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and stuff. Yeah. But obviously, I just think that the size and scale of the user base on, on Google is, is still mind-blowing. It is scary, isn't it? Very, very scary at times. Okay, so last three questions, and then we'll be going on to my favourite part of the podcast, which is the future. But yes, uh, before we get there, if you could only do one thing as part of an SEO strategy for clients what would it be mm, okay um if there was if the client had fairly decent traffic levels i'd probably focus on like helping the conversion rate um whether that's through like site speed or you know reducing the, the errors and stuff like that but i think if they're getting no traffic and it's like a startup business i would do content like more of a content approach like a content marketing approach because i think there are residual benefits across other areas. So I, th- I suppose it depends really. If you are getting decent traffic numbers, I just think you need to sort out your kind of leaky bucket kind of thing. But then if you're not getting any traffic, I think content marketing is probably the, the way to go. No one likes a leaky bucket now, do they? <laughs> I felt weird saying that. By the way. I loved it. I loved it. You can take my Darcy Bustle chip sandwich and I'll take your leaky bucket. And uh, yeah, we're well away. Okay, so a bit of a hard question because... Obviously, we love, me and Hannah love tools and we love finding new tools to use. What is, you're only allowed to pick one. What is your favorite SEO tool? Oh, no, I've got three here. Um, oh, do I, am I be, well, uh, Hannah's not no, here. Do I be nice? <laughs> yeah, why not? Okay. I, 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 we use Ahrefs. We've used we've used different tools in the past. Ahrefs is, is probably the, the one that we like the most and if I had to maybe pick another one is like Uber Suggest for content marketing ideas but yeah Neil Patel's Uber Suggest yeah. yes yeah. yeah that that is crazy that tool like it's free and the amount of data that you get given is yeah amazing isn't it yeah it's brilliant and we like I said content marketing wise it just helps come up with lots of ideas and also gives you kind of ideas for what other people are doing as well. So it's, it's quite a good kind of, it just kind of gets the, the juices flowing kind of thing. I came across a new tool uh, the other week and it's sort of similar to Answer the Public, but it's different because on their page it says, how is this different from Answer the Public? But it's called AlsoAsked.com. I've not had a chance to play around with it yet, but yeah, I just, that yeah, came up. 
Yeah, also also asked. Also asked. Also asked. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, thank you. It doesn't have the. I mean, shock horror with ants. The public they changed the man, didn't they? Yeah. What when was he that about? That, I was kind of like, come on. <laughs> He's a bit too polished, the guy now, isn't he? He's a oh. bit like, I don't like him. I I like the chunky knit guy. Bring him back. <laughs> yeah, he was better. He's more real. <laughs> okay, so I'll let you get into the interview chair now and is there anything that you'd like to ask me loads of stuff actually i think i think what you guys are doing is great by the way i know i said that before but i think the fact that there are two girls who are working in seo female obviously female seoers and kind of flying the flag i think that's brilliant Um, because there aren't aren't enough right now you know and i'm sure it'll change over time but i think when when i kind of look at that kind of angle and what you guys have been doing what were the kind of what kind of made you guys start off doing your podcast was it was it just you you two were chatting and and got on well together or was it was there a specific reason me so me and hannah we know each other because we work together so and we both like we both love seo and we love talking and discussing it and stuff like that but we just got like friends and we like did social stuff out of the seo stuff as well and we went to it was the first brighton seo that i went to a couple of years back and i was quite shocked at how male dominated the industry seemed to be at the time it's getting better now and I think that's the same in other industries as well but like most of the speakers were male when I went and you looked at the attendees and it was more male than female and I just sort of it may have come to me when after a beer or two and I was like Hannah we need to do a female-led SEO podcast and um, I managed to convince her to do it and so yeah and it was just we wanted to sort of like highlight the um the good stuff that's going on in SEO and obviously it is a female led and we like to speak to females but we we also sp- speak to men men because we've got yourself on but we just thought and when we did our research there was no sort of or very few female led SEO podcasts so we just saw a bit of a opportunity as it were so it came from that really and it's really really nice to hear like you say nice stuff about it and when when someone gives you a nice review on iTunes or someone like gives you a shout out on LinkedIn because you do a podcast yourself and it takes time because there's the research there's the um, recording of it there's the editing it there's the it takes time and like we love it and we do it but to hear that people are appreciating it do you know what I mean it, it is nice and it's like okay we are doing a good thing here let's let's carry on yeah I think it's brilliant and and you know especially for you know um I don't want to say girls. I don't know why. <laughs> Female, lady, I feel weird. Ladies, girls getting into ladies getting into SEO. I think it's really positive because um, there's a quite a big movement going on in Manchester. I don't know if it's the same in other places, but there's a lot of kind of uh, there's a there's a brand called Innovate Her, um, where it's kind of just trying to get girls from high school and college leavers and stuff into tech jobs. And there's a lot of kind of tech um, meetups and and everything else like that. So I, I think that side of things is really good, and I think they need they need kind of run fish skin or mm. whatever, you know, they need their role models and, and things like that as well. So I think it's brilliant what you're doing. Um, I think me blush. I was, I, I'm really soft because I've got a little girl. So like <laughs> I've got a three year old and I'm like, you're going to work with Google in the future. This Aww. is going to be it. We're going to talk about tech stuff and you're going to code and that. So yeah, I think that might be one of the reasons why I'm so soft with it. But um, at, yeah. <laughs> at risk of going off a little bit of a tangent, my sister is pregnant and I don't think I've, I think this is the first time saying on the podcast, but it's the first baby in the immediate family. So I'm going to be an auntie for the first time. My mum and dad are going to be grandparents for the first time and we bloody can't wait. <laughs> yeah. So she's yeah. going to get spoiled rotten you know boy or girl is going to get spoiled rotten. I can tell you now my daughter is spoiled rotten. Yeah, what's what's she called? Uh, Molly. Molly. Yeah. Oh, good name. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I have a friend I called Molly. I've come on the podcast and I've ended up talking about my kids. I'm going to hey. get slated for this in the office. Hey, I always end up talking about roller derby. It's just what happens, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> how did you get into that, by the way? That was the only other question that I had. Really. Oh, well, I was roller like, derby. How the, hell, how the hell does one get into roller derby? What the hell? Well, basically, my friends did it and they invited me to go and watch it. 
and it just looks so much fun like I've this is the first team sport that I've ever played ever so I had to learn how to skate and learn how to because you have to learn how to fall safely and how to hit someone so you skate round in a circle is that is that yeah, basically you, the yeah. premise like. so you, yeah you're on an oval uh, oval track and basically yeah. you score points by passing opposition blockers so the the opposition team basically and it's basically oh, right. Um, a bit like British Bulldog or sumo wrestling on skates. So, but yeah, but there is a team in, uh, I don't know if there's a male team, but there's definitely, yeah, Rainy City and Manchester, but it's just, it's just a lovely community to be involved with. And you know, when you've had a stressful day, going and playing roller derby, hitting people, having fun is just, yeah. It's good fun. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I've just kind of never really heard of it. Like, I've never heard anybody say that they do it. So I remember listening to one of your podcasts a couple of months ago. I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I like it. It's interesting. Awesome. Well, hopefully Molly, you never know. She might become yeah. a Roller Derby star and yeah. Google and all that jazz. Okay, so it's time for my favourite part of the podcast. So yes, I did brief you, but obviously you're a regular listener of the podcast, so you know that every every time you do a feature and our guests don't get out of it, unfortunately. This is why I'm here, to be honest with you. The rest of it was all good, but this is really why I'm here. Okay, so this week's feature... So the source is the Manchester Evening News, but I've Googled some Manchester slang... All right. Right. Some of the stuff. I mean, I didn't hear of Mancunian. I mean, I've forgotten what the word was that you Man, said. Mancunian. Man, Mancunian. You've got to say your nose as well a little bit. Come on now. <laughs> I do apologise. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've got some Manchester slang terms and you have to tell me what they mean. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So first one. What does CAD mean? C A D G. Cadge? Yes. All I can think of is my auntie Cadge. She's called Carol, but we call her Cadge for Is Cadge head? I don't know. Is it head? No. No. There you go. I'm I'm probably letting everyone down now. This is not good. Okay. Well, if I say the term, can I Cadge a lift? Oh, yeah. Like jump in a lift or like come along. Yeah. So in Manchester Evening News, it says freeloading. Oh, right. So, yes. I'm going to be hated by my own people. <laughs> I'll give you half a point because when I put it in like a sentence, you got it, didn't you? So, okay. What does chufty badge mean? Chufty badge. Oh, that's someone if they're like quite proud of themselves or whatever you say, like, oh, you know. Yeah. Chuffed badge, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> what I've got written down is it's like a mick. A Mickey medal for like when someone does something insignificant sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, give yourself a chufty badge, pal. <laughs> there you go. You got that one right. Crookle. What does crookle mean? Crookle? Yeah. Crookle. Hmm. Come on. No. Look, I've, I've okay. never heard that one. I'll put it into a sentence. Let me think what would be a good sentence. Um, oh, that lady over there just did a crookle. <laughs> I don't know if that makes it any easier. I don't think that's making it easier for me, no. Well, apparently, <laughs> it's when you go over on your ankle. Oh, right, okay. Okay. So, so far, you've got one and a half out of three. So, right. okay. Dibble? Dibble's police. Yeah. <laughs> you got that got one. It. That makes me look really not a very good reputation with that one. Yeah, um, run away from the double. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so far, I'm questioning if you actually are from Manchester. I mean, yeah. come okay. on. <laughs> what if I was to talk about duds? What would you think I'd be talking about? Duds, underpants. Yeah. I'm glad that you said underpants because obviously we have American listeners. So if you said pants, yeah. they might get confused that you're talking about trousers. So... Boxer shorts, duds, dirty duds, that kind of stuff. So is it just male? Is it just male underpants? I've only ever heard a bloke say it, yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, two more. This one This one made me smile. Give your head a wobble. 
yeah, give your head a wobble, give your head a shake. You know, you've uh, you need to have a word with yourself. You've you know you you kind of yeah you you're out of order or something like that. You know, if someone if someone said something that's a bit stupid, you're a little bit like, come on, mate, give your head a wobble. <laughs> give your head a wobble. Yes, I'll give you that. I mean, the Manchester Evening News says to have a rethink, so I think that's basically yeah. what I said. Oh, this is a bit of rhyming slang. So, um, Newt- Newtons. If I was Newt- to talk about my Newtons. What would what would I be talking about? I don't know whether I'm trying to think of something, but I can't. Guess. So, the rhyming slang is Newton Heath. Just teeth. Yeah. So yeah. apparently, your Newtons are your teeth. Yeah. No, I've I have heard that, but that's more of like yeah, I know which one that is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard someone say it, but a very very long time ago. Right. Let's. Should we sit? Uh, let me count up. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Okay. So. So there was seven, you could have got a total of seven points and you got one, two, three, four, five. So you got more right than wrong. So congratulations. You are a Mancunian after all. (laughs) Um, This is putting you a bit on the spot, but seeing as, yes, so I technically lost because you won is there a forfeit that you want me to do Ooh, i mean it is putting you a bit on the spot like uh what can you do um mm-mm. i mean the only thing that i can think about is i could if you give me a sentence and i've got to say it in my best manchester manchester accent say all right our kid what are you saying <laughs> In Manchester. Yeah, well, okay. that's that's that is that's more where I'm from, where people go. All right, our kid, what are you saying? Okay, so you, so I've got a reference point. You do, you do it really in Manchester, and then I'll copy. Yeah. All right, our kid, what are you saying? All right, our kid, what are you saying? <laughs> no, am I pass? Am I passing off as a Mancunian? Oh, you, you're basically an honorary Manc now. That's that's basically. <laughs> <laughs> do you get called Manx for short? Yeah, yeah. All right, you Manx. <laughs> yeah, we spend a lot of time with Scousers, so the the um, kind of the dialogue between us isn't necessarily always friendly. So, <laughs> yeah, Manx, Mancunian. Yeah, Scousers are always trying to give us a, a bit of stick. So yeah. Oh, a bit of rivalry <laughs> there. Yeah, give as good as we get. <laughs> Awesome. Well, unfortunately, I mean, I could talk to you for another hour just about general chit chat and talk more about roller derby, more about Manchester slang. But unfortunately, Paul, we're going to have to say goodbye. No worries. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'll give you like if people want to get in touch with you or want to listen to your podcast, how what's the best way? On Instagram, I'm at Casey Digital. If you search for the Casey Digital podcast on, you know, Apple or Spotify or whatever, you'll be able to find it. And it's just Paul Casey on LinkedIn. Awesome. And any other, like, Foghorn, if they shout your name really loudly in Manchester, or is there a Manchester call, like, like bird call that people could try? Not really, just <laughs> any um, any pub in the Northern Quarter, I might be in one of those. So, <laughs> you might yeah. be in one of them. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. And yes, if you want to get in touch with our show, we are SEO underscore SAS on Twitter, Sarah McDuck, myself on Twitter, me and Hannah are both on LinkedIn. You know our names by now. Please, 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 if you do like this podcast, help us get it under other people's noses and give us some reviews. We are sometimes a bit slow at um, seeing our reviews, but we do try and we will give you shout outs. And also email us. We have an email, which is SEO, SAS. Oh, no, that is wrong. I need Hannah here. What is it? Hello at SEO, SAS podcast dot com. So, yes, I've had a blast. Have you had a blast, Paul? It's been brilliant. Thank you, Sarah. Lovely. (laughs) Right. Ciao for now. Thank you.